first reading is taken from Paul's epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, and can be found on page 216 of the New Testament section of the Pew Bible. I am reading from the New International Version. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put out love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another together with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. And the second reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52, and it's on page 63. The boy Jesus in the temple. Now every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travellers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favour. This is the word of the Lord.
morning, everyone. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, we pray. Your blessing on this year ahead. We ask, Father, that through this year, you'd lead us closer and closer to you. That you'd speak into our lives. That we'd serve you well. And that you'd do a work in our day. So special. We wouldn't believe it if we were told of it. Amen. It's great to have a little elf in church today. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to be preaching to you from... Um, One of the advantages of getting older is you can be naughtier. <laughs> In my training as a clergyman many years ago as a young warthog, you preached from the texts that were given to you. But now that I'm getting older, I think, well, nice text, I'm going to preach something else. <laughs> And what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage you to make it your goal to please him who loves you and who died for you. To make it your goal this year to please him. We are confident, I say, says St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. Because we, we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each, each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body. Whether good or bad. I don't know if you're a person who, who sets goals. I know there's an awful lot of stuff around goal setting and a lot on the radio and everything like that, all about how you set your goals and then after about three days, that's it, you give up. But I very much believe in, in goal setting. You can see what was happening here with, with Paul. He had fixed his mind and his purpose on pleasing Christ. We make it our goal to please him. And it seems to me, I don't know what your goals are going to be for this coming year. But that's a good overriding goal to have. Because all our goals have to align with that one goal, don't they? Yes, they do. Why? Why, why make this your goal? Says St. Paul, we are convinced that one has died for all. The reason for making this your goal is that Jesus quite literally has died in your place. Died in my place. He has quite literally taken my guilt and your guilt and the guilt of the world 
on himself. To take it away. His death was on our behalf. All that he did was for us. And so we are specifically indebted to him for what he's done. And isn't it true that when someone does something really good for us, we never forget what they did? That's certainly true of us in Zimbabwe. There were some people in Zimbabwe in our time there who were so good to us. And I've never forgotten them and what they did for us. Don't forget what Jesus has done for you, friend. We have life now because he died for us and on, on our behalf. So that's a good reason to have this goal to please him. A second reason is this. That all through what is going to happen in this coming year, and who knows what's going to happen in this coming year. We've got merry Brexit up ahead. <laughs> Donald Trump, you never know what he's going to do next. <laughs> climate change and what the impact of climate change is going to be in this year. We know that things changing rapidly. But then in our personal lives, things will happen. None of us ever imagined that Margaret wouldn't be with us this Christmas. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the future is. Friends, God's grace is never, ever, ever going to fail you nor forsake you. You're never going to use up his mercies. For you. Never will he fail you. In Hebrews, in, the, in Hebrews 13, where God says, Never will I fail you, the, the force of the original language is never, 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 never will I fail you, nor will I forsake you. Ever. Jesus isn't going to do it ever. Some of you know the story, but it, it happened years ago when I was in Zimbabwe with my dear wife, and we had two young girls, Rachel, who was 12, and Sarah, who was then 10. When I grew up, we used, I used to go to a place called the Chamani Manis. That's on the eastern side of Zimbabwe. The Chamani Manis are a set of... It's a, it's a mountain range on the border with, between Zimbabwe and Mozambique. And it's, it's wild, there's no... There's a certain point where the cars can go and then cars are not allowed anymore after that and then you just, you just climb. You have to climb up into the mountains. And there's lakes and rivers and all sorts of lovely things up there. So I decided, having happy, had happy memories as a boy up there, <laughs> that I would take my family. I thought it probably wouldn't be wise to mention that there's a thing called a burgadder up there, which if you have one bite of a burgadder, you are dead. 
I thought, well, I won't tell them that because that might spoil the holiday. <laughs> the other thing which happened was my wife thought, well, we're going on a camping holiday. I'm going to leave this to Tim to sort out. <laughs> Quite a bad plan, really, because Tim doesn't do detail. So we got into the Chamani Manis, and the first night was just beautiful under the stars. And the second night, we set off towards the, what they call the Southern Lakes. And off we walked. And then we got, started to get late. So we then found a, a, a posse on the side of a hill and set up camp there. You just camp anywhere in the Chamani Manis. There's no designated camping sites. Then the harsh reality of actually not having tent pegs uh, sort of hit. <laughs> I had two or three, but not for a tent of four people. <laughs> so I was starting to get into trouble. Sorry, I've missed out a thing I wanted to say before the story started. Because I was nervous about going there and taking my daughters, I was praying an awful lot about the journey and about the holiday. And as I prayed, God reassured me that everything was all right. Sorry I missed that out. That was important. But anyway, there we are. On the side of a hill, in a lonely spot, there's no one anywhere near us. In a tent which not, hasn't got enough tent pegs. What else could go wrong? Well, the wind could come up and the rain could fall. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> what happens when a tent gets wet? Back in those days, I'm sure they're very waterproof now. <laughs> so Carol and I put the two girls between us and we thought we've got to keep these kids warm because it was getting cold. So you're, on the, you're in the mountains. So we're warming our daughters, keeping them warm, keeping them dry. We were getting wet on our backs, of course. <sighs> so it was a pretty wonderful night. <laughs> I'm not sure I was ever told off. <laughs> when we woke up in the morning, our situation was dangerous. We were a long way from home, long way from the car. We were cold, we were wet, we had two small children with us, and we were in a dangerous situation. There's no one around. So we, I said, we've got to pray. We have to pray. So we joined hands, held hands, and we prayed that God would help us. And as we prayed, we had a sense of having someone else with us. It was awesome. So then we had to set up, set off. Our obstacle to get home was over a, a, a rock face. And so I used to do rock climbing back in my younger days. So I, uh, I put my daughter's in front of me, and we climbed up the rock face. This wasn't just a 10-foot rock face. It was considerably higher. 
Fortunately, when you've got kids, kids don't really see the danger, so they were quite happily climbing up. I left them at the top. My poor kids, but anyway, down I went to collect my wife. And she, by this stage, had a, really was terrified. Because she was now going to have to climb a rock face. She'd never done any rock climbing before. And while I could put her between me and the rock face, the two of us, if one of us slipped, we would, uh, yeah, so that wouldn't have been so good. But we got up. We got safely up. And then we walked seven hours, two little kids, all the way back to the car, down the mountains, up the mountains, down. <sighs> we got safely to the hotel. From there, Chimani Manis, we went to a place called Gonorizhu. Gonorizhu is means the place of the elephant. It's in the south of the country. What's different about the elephants in Gonorizhu is that they had been hunted by hunters like Salu and others from the 1850s onwards. And whereas the elephants in the north of the country are quite respectful of, of human pe people, so long as they're not, you know, you're not trying to do anything stupid, in, this, in Gonorizhu they are aggressive towards humans because they've been shot for so many years. We took a guide, we paid for a guide to take us for a walk in the bush, because that's what you want your kids to do. You want, to, want them to walk in the bush and to experience and learn about the, the wild animals and, and the different bushes and stuff like that. Our guide was a young man and inexperienced. And he walked us too far into the bush to get back before nightfall. So there we were. And he says, we've got to get back. And I could see he was concerned because he, he knew how long it was going to take us to get back to the road. So I said to him, well, what are we going to do? So he said, well, you take this um, the rifle that I've got. He had a Fabrique National 762. And he said, I'll take Sarah on my back. Carol walked behind me, and Rachel in front of me, me carrying the 762. The thing about a 762 is it's not powerful enough to stop an elephant. What you've got is, it's, I don't know why, we were, why he was carrying the 762, but anyway, he was, and I presumed he knew what he was doing, but clearly he was just too inexperienced. So off we set through the bush. We're all trying to watch the watch the watch the, watch the, watch watch the ranger. He's carrying Sarah. Carol's going fast behind him. We can't run through the bush, but we're walking fast. And I had Rachel in front of me. And it's that that I still wake up and get chills about when I ever I think of it, because I'm also looking in the bush for elephants. I'm looking to see where the ranger's going. I'm looking to see if my daughter's okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking for elephants. And as I'm walking along, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to lose Rachel. I'm going to, she's going to turn one way and, and we're going to surge on ahead and, 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 and not know where she is. It was really frightening. Anyway, we carried on. Darkness, 
darkness falling. Remember, darkness falls quickly in Africa. It doesn't take its time. And we got to the road. Once we're on the road, we're a lot more secure because the road is open and we could see elephants. Um, and, 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 we, and we're now near to the uh, place where we're staying. Turned round the corner, and I can still remember this so well. And there, there, there were the lights of the camp. And God said to me, He said, My son, you thought that when you came out of the Chamanis, that you had used up all my grace to you and your family. You thought you'd used it all up. And he said to me, my grace will never, ever fail you. It'll never fail you. God's grace for you this year is inexhaustible. You haven't used it all up yet and you never will use it. His kindness towards you, his mercy, his, his loving kindness, his being with you. Whatever happens in, this, in, in the year ahead, whatever cards you find yourself having to play, that you wish you didn't have to play those cards, whatever it is, God is never going to fail you. God is with you. Never, never, never will I fail you nor forsake you. And then the last reason why we should make it our goal to please him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive to him what is due in the body, whether good or bad. Friends, make it your goal to please him because you and I, every one of us, is going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ before that great white throne. It's just going to happen, friends. <coughs> we will give account of our lives. And the judgment that we'll receive will be the judgment that we give all through our lives. If we're harsh and critical and mean in our judgment of other people, we must fear the judgment but if we're good and kind and honest and selfless, if we seek to serve him who loves us, we will have no fear when we stand before that great judgment seat. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each may, one may receive what is due to him. For the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So come, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your spirit. That we may please you all through this coming year. That we may lead lives honoring to you. Showing gratitude to you for all that you've done for us. And as we seek to please you, may you be pleased 
with us. Amen.